Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy and exhausting. Join me, Shana, and the rest of the Twinkle EYFS team as we talk honestly about our experiences as practitioners, teachers and professional nappy changers. Whether you're listening to increase your CPD hours or catching up on our antics whilst driving home from work, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello, hello, hello again. Nice to have you back for our episode. This is episode number nine. Can you believe it already? And I have got the wonderful Leslie Barrington, who is the author of the Hattie and Friends series of books um, that include characters with physical disabilities in an incidental way in her books. And this is a really nice resource, I thought, to support inclusion in our settings. And I kind of just wanted to see uh, how it came about. But before we get there, it's time for another round of Praise a Practitioner, where we get to celebrate you amazing people and everything you do in your current earlier settings. So let's have a listen. Jess Early Years MCCT would love to nominate at Knight Williams and they say it's for helping this Early Years teacher newbie podcaster with her hints and tips this evening. Thanks at Knight Williams. We'd love to celebrate a special one-to-one support system called Sophie. She got in touch to say that she started her first ever one-to-one job in February and she's just gone through a one-to-one review. And the mum of the child that she's been supporting has said how much the child has come on and it's all down to her. That's amazing. I'm really proud that you've got some positive feedback for your work, Sophie. Congratulations. Last but certainly not least today, at EYFS with Mr. S, also known as Matt Stevenson from a previous episode, he's got a new job. Congratulations. I hope you have a wonderful time in your new setting. Let us know how it gets on. That's it for this week's Praise a Practitioner. If you know anybody who you'd like to nominate, then do get in touch. Well done, everybody who got mentioned. It's wonderful to hear your good work. And of course, as always, well done to everybody who didn't get mentioned. I know you're all doing an amazing job and it's not an easy job. So congratulations to you. And now on to our main event. We have the lovely Leslie Barrington here to come and talk about her inclusive books. So let's take it away. Leslie, it's so great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. And for the listeners who don't know, we literally, it's it's taken us 18 minutes just to start. We've had tech issues (laughs) and she's been so patient. Thank you for joining us. Um, So Leslie, please, before we get into your incredible books, um, tell us about yourself and tell us about your history in the education sector. Hi, Shana. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, Well, yes, my name's Leslie Barrington. I'm the author and publisher of Hattie and Friends. Um, I'm NNEB qualified. And after I'd qualified, I went on to be a nanny for a few years. Um, And I just, I loved nannying. I loved working with the children. uh, But I just found it quite isolating. And I'm Mm. quite a sociable person. So I've kind of had a bit of a career change in my mid-20s and I went to be a retail manager oh wow so I worked for Toys R Us for a while (gasps) um yeah and and it was working at Toys R Us where I found out that I was quite ambitious actually which I hadn't realized before 
So I started as a part-time member of staff and then worked my way up to deputy manager of uh, the Doncaster store within... Oh, well done. Yeah, within um, probably three years, really. Um, and I loved that because I loved the variety of the job. I loved the people I worked with. Um, it was a real team and it was really good fun. Um, but I did miss working with children. Yeah. And I also, at this point, started thinking about having my own family. Um, so I kind of thought, oh, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, and I had one of those light bulb moments when I was sitting in the dentist waiting room. Um, I was reading a magazine and there was this article about a lady who had um, looked for nurseries in her local area for her own children and couldn't find one that she liked. So she opened her own nursery. Oh, wow. And I was sitting there thinking, well, I've got the qualification and the childcare experience and I've got a bit of business experience now. So this is perfect. Yeah. So that was it, really. Um, within months, I'd given up my job at Toys R Us and I'd found premises and I opened my first nursery. Um so That's yeah, that amazing. was amazing. <laughs> it was a bit crazy. Um, and the next four years of my life were just so busy and mm. quite crazy because I opened three nurseries and two kids clubs within four years. Oh wow! Um, yeah, <laughs> and I also had a child. I had my daughter at that time. So mm. yes, um, it was all a bit of a whirlwind. But yes, I just didn't realise I'd got all this drive and um, ambition in me. And uh, yeah, it all sort of came out in Stepping Stones Day Nurseries. Um, but it was during this time when I ran my nursery business um, that I discovered the demand for inclusive storybooks. And mm. so towards the end of that time, I ran my nurseries for nine years. And towards the end of that time, Hattie and Friends was born. Oh, I love that. And I think it's really cute um, when we were talking before we were deciding to do this episode um, that the main character of Hattie and Friends is named after your daughter Hattie. That's adorable. Yeah, inspired by Harriet. Yeah. So before we get into our kind of main theme questions, tell us, tell us about your books. So um, there are four titles and they're all about days out. So the first one was the day at the zoo um, with Hattie and George. Um, so they go to the zoo and they have a lovely day and they meet lots of animals. Um, all of my days, all of my stories um, feature Hattie with friends and family enjoying their days out. Um, and it's familiar themes so that all children can relate to them and educational content because obviously with my background um, I mm. wanted to include lots of vocabulary and um, mm. lots of colours and sounds and textures and weather and everything to relate to the EYFS curriculum mm. um, so they are educational and of course the main concept is that they are inclusive so they feature positive images of disability throughout um, the disability isn't mentioned at all in the text mm -hmm. so it is just a story where children have a great time and hopefully the children who are reading the story they will just see the positive images of disability and see that this is not a big deal and um, we can accept other people who have differences mm. and it's to teach respect and understanding and acceptance wonderful and I, I love this is why I wanted you to come onto the podcast because when we were chatting before representation in in children's books is kind of a hot topic isn't it 
And um, what I love about your books is that, you know, you're not creating stories about physical disabilities and having to explain them and things like that. Those types of books are great um, for teaching children about different kinds of people and different physical disabilities, but they're more incidental. It's just that these children, they have a physical disability, but they can also take part in... um, in normal activities in life, just like any other children. And I think that's really important for children to see. So mm-hmm. my first question to you would be, how and why did you write the Hattie and Friends books? What inspired you? So there were a few things that happened when I was running my nurseries and it was all around 2005 that this happened. So we had an Ofsted inspection and mm. the inspector said we needed to um, consider more diversity in our resources in the images and things that children were seeing in books and jigsaws and things like that Mm. Um, and I hadn't really thought about this before and Mm. I think that's like a lot of people who are maybe working in early years now there are so many things to consider in childcare and education that sometimes this is you know it just isn't on their radar and like you say it's good that that's a hot topic at the moment but sort of 17 years ago it certainly wasn't and Mm. I hadn't really thought about it so That happened. And then around the same time, I went on a Disability Discrimination Act training course. That's not easy to say. (laughs) (laughs) You did very well. (laughs) (laughs) And um, on that training course, the lady was talking to us about how we might have to adjust um, in our settings for anybody with a disability, but also just about... um, showing children positive images of disability um, through resources. And she had um, a Barbie um, who was using a wheelchair and she had different things to show us, but she didn't have any books. And I said to her, Mm. well, are there any storybooks for each disability? And she said, you know, there are very, very few and I struggle to find any. And I was sitting there thinking, well, this is a massive gap in the market because, Mm. you know, all the nursery owners all across the UK, in fact, all across the world must be looking for storybooks like this. Mm -hmm. And there aren't any. So Mm -hmm. surely that's not right. And so this was all sort of in my mind. And then around the same time, I was attending a business development program, which was for my nurseries. Um, And on this program, there were lots of other businesses. So it wasn't all childcare and education. Mm. Um, And we covered things like finances and marketing and how to grow your business. Right. And one afternoon on the program, we were talking about our next steps of how we would grow our business. And at this point, I'd got three nurseries. I'd got two kids clubs. <laughs> I've got 40 members of staff. Wow. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, but pretty I well really don't want to. Yeah, I don't really want to grow this business anymore. Um, yeah. You know, it's fine as it is. Um, but I said, I have got this other idea of writing mm. storybooks featuring disability because I think mm. there is a need for them. And everybody in the group just thought it was a great idea. They were all very encouraging and enthusiastic. And it just so happened that one person in the group was the managing director of Ruddox Print and Design, oh. which is a lo- local print and design company. And he said, well, we've published a children's book recently. I can bring it to show you. And at this point, although I got the idea in my head, I wouldn't know where to start to create mm. a book, to actually create a book. Um, so he brought this book to show me and it was just like a book you would pick off the shelves at Waterstones. You know, it didn't look different. It was brilliant. And I said, well, could you help me to create mine? 
Um, so that's what we did really and it just all happened again within months so this was in the summer of 2005 um, I decided to write the stories about days out because my daughter was five at the time we loved going for days out mm. so I thought that would be really good for other children to read um, so I wrote the first story worked with Paul and between June and Christmas and then the book was available in the January. Oh wow so quite a quick turnover. Yes yeah. Oh what you must have been absolutely knackered. (laughs) (laughs) Well I think I was really focused on the books at this point because I did have the managers in the nursery so they kind of carried on with all that. I was kind of overseeing things there Um, but I was absolutely loving being creative and enjoying some doing something different and so yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it. But, um, yeah, you know, I think it's one of those times in your life when you think this was meant to be, Mm. because if those things hadn't all come together that summertime, then I might might have just had that idea in my head for the rest of my life and not actually done anything about it. Yeah, it seems like it all came together, didn't it? It's just that you had this idea and the universe said, yes, Leslie, (laughs) go make those books. I'm going to give you this person. I'm going to give you this scenario. Go. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's exactly what it was like. And and Paul introduced me to the illustrator, Karen, who had also Mm. worked at Redux. Um, and I said to her, I want these chunky little characters who are so cute and funny. Um, and I said, I want Hattie to look like Harriet because Harriet had just started big school and she'd had her hair cut oh. short. So I said, I want Hattie to have a little brown bob and she must always wear pink and purple because that's Harriet's favourite colour. Oh. Um, so there was all this going on. I was loving it. Um but yes, it it definitely was meant to be. Yeah. And you know what I love when you were talking about um, talking to the illustrator? Whenever I look at those illustrations, they remind me of the Cabbage Batch kids. Do you remember oh, them? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And they've just brought back so much like nostalgic memories because I used to love the Cabbage Patch kids. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're in a book. That's so yeah. cute. It just makes you want to squeeze their cheeks, doesn't it? You're just like, yes, oh. exactly. Well, the thing was that when I had the idea and I started researching, I was looking for other books and featuring disability and I just couldn't find any and then I did find a couple and they just looked so old-fashioned mm-hmm. and I don't know if um some people who are working in nurseries now they might know the little uh, disability characters that we used to use for sort of role play oh and mm. they weren't appealing at all they just looked so old-fashioned and horrible but you felt like you had to have them in the nursery mm. because it was the only thing that yeah. showed disability and so I wanted to give an alternative to that and I wanted to make sure that my books had really cute characters in that the children actually really liked and enjoyed yeah. and wanted to read the stories again and again um, and hopefully that's what I've created. Well I think you have because following you on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter when you're going to schools and things we'll talk about that a bit later as well but it's just it's so great to see that you can go into schools and and teach the children not just about the the content of the books but how to inspire them to do it themselves because like you said you were a nursery manager you weren't a published author it wasn't you know your uh, career but you saw a gap in the market and thought hang on a minute yeah our children really need this and they deserve this so I'm, I'm gonna do it and I just think that's so inspiring for children as well to be like it doesn't matter what career you choose what you know you don't have to do just one thing in your life you saw something and thought I'm gonna make a change and that's yeah. super inspiring for children and I just I love it I love it oh thank you I've had a very <laughs> winding career path <laughs> no but that's what makes life interesting isn't it, it used to be yeah. you know very um, 
traditional to only have one career in your life mm. oh, no 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 no, no. <laughs> I can't do that I'm, I can you imagine both of us at like I don't know 80 odd still in a nursery <laughs> trying to stand sit on the floor with the kids do no I'm good I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to leave it to the younger people. Yeah, you do sort of move on. And I think it's, you know, about what you learn as well in your life, yeah. because it does make you realise, well, this this isn't right. Like you say, this, yeah. children deserve better. And, right. you know, they, they need to see. And it astounds me that we're talking sort of 15, 16, 17 years later, and there still aren't very many books oh, featuring disability in an incidental way. You know, and disability is part of life. Right. You know, so if children can walk down the street and see somebody who uses a wheelchair or who has a cochlear implant or who uses walking aids, why don't they see that in a book? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense. No, absolutely. We're supposed to reflect life, aren't we, mm. in, in the real world in early years. Mm. So that means that means everybody because yeah. also we'll have children who have physical disabilities yeah. and they de they deserve to be seen. Yeah. So those are what your books do, which is amazing. So I'm actually really intrigued as well, because um, is it right that Hattie herself, your actual daughter, she doesn't have a physical disability? That's correct. She doesn't have a disability. Which is awesome because, you know, I, I mean, it's great because people take personal inspiration and they say, you know what, this is a gap for my daughter. I'm going to make books for her. Um, but you didn't even have that experience. You just saw the gap and just felt that empathy for, for other other children. Yeah. So you went on the disability training and things like that. I just wanted to ask what the term disability means to you and and the ranges of physical disabilities that are in your book and what kind of physical disabilities do you represent? Well, to me, I think when people have a physical or mental disability, um, they are limited in what they can do and they may need support um, to do things that most people take for granted. Um, but I think that it's important to teach children when they're young that we all have differences Mm -hmm. we're all unique and we should try and accept respect and understand everybody mm -hmm. um because you know it's not just about um physical disabilities that are classed as a disability you know I've got two um long-term illnesses that aren't classed as a di disability but sometimes they do cause me a lot of problems mm -hmm. and they're invisible um, illnesses that people would look at me and say oh well you look fine right um but you know we don't know that somebody standing next to us is struggling and we should just all learn to accept other people and try and be a bit more understanding I think 100% interesting what you just said about Harriet not having a disability um, she actually went to university and she's always struggled. She won't mind me saying this. She's always struggled with number and maths. Mm. And I feel absolutely awful because at university, um, she was diagnosed with dyscalculia. Oh, right. And it was just because she saw something online and it said, do you struggle with this, this and this? And one of the things was telling time. Mm. And She'd never thought about that before. Yes, she'd struggled with maths, but I'd always thought, well, I'm not very good at maths. And I just quite kind of thought it's not one of her strengths. She was really, really good at literacy. Mm. So I didn't really think too much about it. And now I feel that I should have really recognised this, you know, with my background, but I didn't. Well, you can't be everything, can you? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so she said, well, do you know, it's quite interesting this. Do you think I should sort of go and ask her for a, a proper assessment? And I said, well, yeah, definitely. Mm. So she did. And through the university, she had the proper assessment. And it turned out that she does have dyscalculia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was wonderful for her because she finally thought, oh, thank goodness, you know, 
it is something that I have got a, a learning disability. Mm. I do need support with things. I'm not just stupid. Right. You know? Yes. Um, it's sort of acknowledging that she needs that help. And so now, of course, through her uni work, if it's anything to do with number and data and things like that, she gets some extra support. She has extra Good. time and things like that, which yeah. is great. And so I'm really one for not putting people in pigeonholes and not labeling people however Good. I think that sometimes you know it is useful to just know mm. what our limitations are so that we can get that extra support yeah 100% I, I love that you say that and that you're being so honest about your own journey with yeah. um, invisible disabilities because that's making me feel brave now so I'm gonna say um, I too also have an invisible disability mm. uh, I have an autoimmune disease and I too, I get the same comments, you know, I look fine on the outside, but there are days, I mean, even now, listeners, I'm sitting here with a blanket and a hot water bottle and I'm, yeah, I'm in quite a bit of pain, but this is making me feel so much better. Um, but people would not know that and it actually affects my daily life. Um, it was the reason I had to leave teaching um, because yeah. the pain and the stress triggered the autoimmune. It was really difficult and I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and even though your books don't have invisible disabilities in there, it opens that conversation to what disability actually means. And that's what's yeah. really important because yeah. just because they air quotes here, look okay, yeah. does not mean that these children, that these people, all of us are struggling with something yeah. and your books open that conversation because yeah. if we're starting to see books with physical disabilities and normalizing it and reflecting that in our world then we're one step closer to actually yeah. looking at that term disability I have to say I, I'm not sure where I sit with that word I don't know how you feel with it but disability it's a tricky word yeah I agree because um you know when I was diagnosed I've got an autoimmune disease and when I was diagnosed in 2011 it is quite a shock when somebody mm. suddenly says oh you've got this chronic illness that's with yeah. you the rest of your life and people yeah. start mentioning that word disability and you think right oh my goodness you know yeah and this is another thing about getting older in your life journey and your experiences and you think gosh imagine those people who have been labeled disabled all their life uh -huh. what it feels like right you know um, so yeah I think it does open your eyes yeah and it's about it's about challenging that unconscious stigma that society yeah. is has 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 led down mm. about disability isn't it like mm. yes there are things that we are limited uh, regardless of what kind of disability or mm. you know condition that you have but actually there are other things that are really beneficial so I'm also a tutor and I have some students that um, are autistic and they are incredible. They think about things in a completely unique way that I would never in a million years be able. Yeah. And they're just their reasoning, their problem skills, all of this. And, you know, yes, they need support in some things, but other things, they're better than yeah. anybody. I mean, if you think about, there are so many famous people, you know, Einstein um, yeah. actually did an episode on dyslexia about this. Jim Carrey has, has dyslexia. Do you know what I mean? Um, some of the yeah. most famous artists, some of the most famous, inspirational groundbreaking people yeah. are labeled as disabled yes and that kind of it's like it kind of makes me twitch a little bit and yes they have additional needs yeah 
you know? And if that makes them a creative, a more creative person, then that's fantastic because I love creative people. Exactly. (laughs) And we need more people like that in the world. And and that's what your books do. It starts opening that conversation that, yeah, look, we're all different. Look, they they might have this, they might have that. A person maybe who can't hear, their other four senses will be incredibly heightened because yeah. they've had to adapt. So they, they'll be better at smelling than you are. You know, it's just, that sounds really silly and well, colloquial, no. but it's just those examples that, yeah. yes, we're all different, but it doesn't mean we are dis anything. We're yeah. just unique. Well, go, going yeah. back to your question about the disabilities that my storybooks cover, um, mm. A Day at the Seaside covers um, features Hattie and Lucy and Lucy's blind. So in the story, there's a lot about the other senses. Right. So when they're on the bus, they play a game where they're listening for cars and motorbikes, things like that. When they're at the beach, they're touching the sand and they're feeling and they're seeing what shape the shells are. And then they hear the donkey bells tinkling and they taste the chips at the seaside. So I've done that because that's how Lucy will experience the seaside because she's blind. So those things are very subtle. But if you're um, reading that story, you know, you can bring it up in discussion um, or not. Because I always say it doesn't really matter if the children don't notice at first about the disability. Um, But if you want to discuss it or the children ask why Lucy's using a cane or anything, then you can talk about those things and say, well, Lucy would notice the donkey bells tinkling before probably Hattie even heard them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's things like that, that, like you say, maybe a lot of us wouldn't even think about if we hadn't experienced. Mm. And that doesn't mean if we haven't experienced them that we can't educate and represent with our children. And your books are a great tool for that. Um, You mentioned that you went on the disability training. What were the main takeaways from that disability training and how did they influence your books? Well, I think I just realised that there was a a need for them and there was a definite lack of them in the world, basically. Mm. Um, It made me realise that I hadn't been providing them in the nursery because I hadn't really thought about it. And if that was the case, then probably there was a lot of other early educators out there who weren't thinking about it either. Mm. And so it was the case that I needed to not only create the books, but really get out there and sort of tell people that this was important. I find that sometimes I'll give my books away in a competition or something like that. And that's the time when they go to somebody who doesn't have a disabled child. And then the comments from them, it's great to hear them because they'll say, oh, I would never have thought of buying this book because they'd probably pick it up in a bookshop and think, oh, that's not for me because it's got Hattie and Nisha on the front and for a day at the farm, Nisha's got leg braces and using walking aids. So somebody with a non-disabled child might think, oh, that's not for my child. But then they realise when they win it in the competition that it was important to show their child that we're different and they wanted their child to grow up being accepting of others. And so it's lovely to hear that because I think my books are mainly going to teachers, educators and people who value these type of books and understand why they're needed, Mm -hmm. especially um, at the moment because it is sort of being put in the spotlight. But there's a long way to go in terms of mainstream. Yeah, You know, if you speak to most children, most parents and say, do you have a book in your bookshelf that has a character with a disability? And I think you'll find the answer is no, we don't. Mm, sad, isn't it? And that's quite sad, isn't it? 
Yeah, it just make you just make your heart drop a little bit. But then we've got people like you. So I'm also <laughs> hoping that this episode is going to inspire other practitioners and be like, oh, if Leslie could do it, I could do it too. And we're just going to watch the world, watch the world create itself, which is amazing. Yeah. So we've actually got some questions from our listeners. So a couple of weeks ago before um, uh, we recorded this, I put out some little adverts on our social media to say hey we've got Leslie coming and she's a book author do you have any questions so our first question is from at nurture babies they ask other than your own of course what book recommendations would you have for preschool um well as I say it's very difficult even now to find books featuring disability Mm. however I would definitely recommend Letterbox Library, mm. who um, you can find on the internet, you can find on Instagram, um, and they do have a great selection of diverse books. They do actually sell my books as well. But if you're going to buy Hattie and Friends, definitely buy them from my website because then you won't pay for postage and packing. Um, but yeah, Letterbox Library have all sorts of um, diverse books featuring disability, um, featuring all sorts of different family groupings, um, all sorts. So they're a really good one. Um, also, my books are for sort of covering physical disabilities, but I do know another author, Charlotte Olson, who writes Susie books, and I don't know if you'll have heard of those. Um, and Susie books are to help autistic children in new situations so there will be Susie goes to the dentist Susie goes on an airplane Susie goes to school amazing um, and they're lovely little books which just explain what is going to happen so that an autistic child um, or any child really in a new situation is going to um, find it easier and everything will have been explained to them and what's going to happen in what order etc so they're a nice little books to look out for as well they're lovely thanks Leslie we've got Ruth here so she has asked Hattie is your daughter so we know the inspiration for the main character what was the inspiration for the other characters in the stories ah well when I visit schools I talk to key stage one about creating a character and that's quite a big topic really um so my inspiration comes from all around and I think any author when they're thinking about a character their inspiration will come from people that they know people Mm. they see on television people they've seen in films in a newspaper um but also from their imagination Mm. so this is hopefully a way um that I inspire children when I visit schools because I say to them you know my characters are supposed to be real life characters but if you are creating a fantasy character like a monster or something Mm. you can use your imagination and you can make it whatever you want it to be so yes when I was creating my characters it's a mix of all those things really the one that I do sort of say was inspired by somebody in my family um, apart from Hattie is Toby in A Day at the Park Um, so Toby is a mischievous little boy who's <laughs> around six years old and he's quite a cheeky little chappy. Um, he wears camouflage trousers and a little body warmer and he likes uh, jumping about, rolling around on the floor, kicking up <laughs> the leaves, rolling in the mud and all that kind of thing. Um, and Toby's deaf and he has a cochlear implant. And this character was inspired by my nephew, Sam, who was about six at the time that I was writing 
writing the book and he was just like that so <laughs> a lot of the time when I was I was uh, writing a day at the park I was thinking about Sam and what he would do at the park and how much he'd like balancing on the wooden beams and all that kind of thing um, so yeah, it, it helps if you've got an idea in your head of somebody. Yeah. Oh, and I bet Stan's really chuffed. He's like, that <laughs> character's me. Toby's me. <laughs> He's got that forever now. <laughs> well, it's like Harriet. I don't know. Sometimes she likes to be Hattie from the books and sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes oh. I think it's quite embarrassing. <laughs> oh, bless her. Oh, do you know what? When she has her own children, if she chooses to do so, then she's already got her own books to give. Yeah. But look, I am famous. Dear children, <laughs> come and look at me in a story. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's quite special isn't it I, I'd love to be in a book I don't want to you know drop any hints there Leslie but you know if you want to put a teacher in um I am all ears next time <laughs> um Evie asks actually a really good question um what other resources other than books would you recommend for physical disability or any disability representation well again it's there's very few available which is mm. you know really sad and again the ones that I've found do still, still look quite dated and not very appealing um I've been working recently on looking at doing some um jigsaws which will be using my seasons illustrations I have a set of four seasons illustrations which are beautiful and they're posters at the moment so I'd like to make them into a set of four jigsaws in a boxed set Um, and I'm also working on some um, small world characters which are like jigsaw pieces but it means that the children can just move them around and make up their own stories or follow the stories in the books right but again it's kind of developing the characters that I've got and how children enjoy playing with them apart from the books um but I really can't recommend any specific products because I don't think I found any which is quite sad that's really sad but also let's make it positive Leslie this is their call to do it yeah let's this could be their inspiration yeah Evie if you're listening we don't have an answer that means you can fill this gap be inspired (laughs) if there's anybody out there who wants to start creating things like that I think there's a massive need yeah Um, and I'm just thinking as well you know we've got those small world like wooden little people yes even I'm just thinking hang on a minute there aren't blind wooden figures or figures with cochlear implants or even sitting in a wheelchair or maybe that they've got an amputation somewhere like you're so right so Evie this is your sign this is your (laughs) sign go go make them I think the, the the difficulty for me is that, you know, every time I have an idea, I've got lots of ideas of what I want to do for the future, but every time I have an idea of something else, that's another few thousand pounds I have to find to put into that idea. Right. So, you know, it's all about money, isn't it, at the end of the day. So I do try and apply for funding here and there and see if I can mm. manage to get anything. I mean, the other thing that I've been working on is, and that's still ongoing, is to get Hattie and Friends animation for television because... <gasps> Yeah, I know. How cute would that be? Oh, it would be amazing. <laughs> I know. Um, but the thing is, you know, if you think about what children are watching, all the mm. content they're watching, are there any disabled characters? I don't think so. And that's not good enough, is it, really? Well, there you go. In 2022. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah. I'm still working on that one. But yeah, you lots of ideas. Need more money. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
a message to the big corporations out there. Yes. Right. <laughs> Come and invest in this for our children. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a last question here from Ellie. Um, so as we kind of touched on earlier, not only do you write these books, but you also go into schools and you do workshops with children about how you wrote these books, how to do them themselves, which is so amazing. Um, but for the teachers, how do your books support starting the conversation about physical disabilities? Well, I think children are just naturally curious, aren't they? And so, as I said before, if they're reading the book and looking at the pictures and they don't mention disability, it doesn't matter. It's just there and they just they are absorbing it, even if they don't say anything about it. But if they do bring up the questions, then it's just important that we answer the questions as simply and honestly as we can. Um, you know, we don't know everything about Nisha, why she's got braces on her legs right. or why she uses walking aids. But we can just simply say that Nisha needs a little bit of help to walk around. And if you look in the in the pictures in a day at the farm, when she's on the swing, she doesn't need her crutches. They're down on the floor. And I think that's important because they're not part of her. Nisha is Nisha. And she just has right. these walking aids to help her sometimes. So I think we just need to be sensitive and um, answer the children honestly. But as you said, it just puts something in front of the children so that they can it can bring up that conversation Start and those the questions. Conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I really like the point you made there that Nisha's disability does not define her. Right. And I think that's a really important message because it's great to have educational stories about disabilities to educate and represent. But then also you kind of want to balance that because you don't want to get stuck with the stigma of, oh, well, this child has autism. This child's blind. Yeah. This child, this, this child, that. And it's putting them in a box. Yeah. And it's actually, yes, they have this they are not that you know yeah. and there's a there's a lot of um conversation about even developing our vocabulary i learned i went on some training a couple of weeks ago about being sensitive about how we describe autistic people yeah. and asking them you know are we going to say people with autism or autistic person and it depends on i suppose um how the person feels comfortable because yeah. it can sometimes feel like a medical condition yeah. and actually it's not you can live very very well very happily um as an autistic person it just means yeah. that you are neurodivergent and yes. and unique and so it's it's starting even with these illustrations just starting that conversation showing children that yes someone or you may have a disability but that does not define you that does not always dictate your life yes, definitely there are many other things um, that you bring and yes it's great and that's why I've made sure that my characters are all very individual and they do have a personality right and I've sort of thought out each character of like Nisha and Hattie are best friends they have lots of fun and they giggle together and that kind of thing so it's right you know there is personality in there because it's not right. just about ticking a box it's about really introducing the disability but yeah it's incidental so hopefully the children think more about Nisha and Hattie and when I go into schools and I talk to key stage one children I do the whole talk about being an author which is about 30 minutes long and it's all about how I've written the books how I've worked with the illustrator how I've worked with the print and design which the children love all that because they don't really know how a book is created yeah and then I don't talk about disability or inclusion until right at the end and then we read a story and 
I'll say to the children, now, can you see any differences in my characters? And they often say things like, oh, Hattie's got a pink T-shirt and Nisha's got a white T-shirt, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> things like that. Yes. And I'm sort of spending ages saying, well, yes, but can you have another look? <laughs> and I often have to tell the children, well, I've specifically put differences in my stories and I've made one of the characters have a disability. And then they look again. But that's mm. that's brilliant because it shows me that when we read the story and we talked about being an author and everything, the children haven't even thought about that. It's not at all something they're focusing on. Nisha is Nisha. And then right at the end, we've just said, oh, well, you know, she does have this disability. But it, that's a very small part of it exactly it's not the whole person we can we can go beyond that amazing uh before we uh, finish our episode with a fun little game it's going to be hard to narrow down but what is your one message that you would like our listeners to take away from this episode um I think that they I'd like them to do what I did when the Ofsted inspector said that to me about reflecting diversity more in our resources and just think about what they're using what are they using at the moment in their current setting have they got anything with disability how does it reflect or represent disability is it appealing to children and then maybe have a look at you know, next time they have, I know nobody's got any money, but the next time they have got a little bit of budget to spend, just maybe getting some books like these so that they are representing disability in a good way, hopefully. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to us about this. Oh, you're welcome. I've enjoyed it. Are you ready for... <laughs> we play this game with everybody, by the way, just so we're not picking on you or anything. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I'm scared. Don't be scared. It's really... It's, no, it's proper hardcore. I'm joking. <laughs> so every time we have a guest speaker on, we like to end the episode with a fun little game called Would You Rather Teacher Edition? Okay. okay. This is some really interesting questions that I'd love to hear your opinion on because some of them have actually been quite polarizing. So round one for Would You Rather Teacher Edition? Would you rather tea or coffee? Tea every day. Oh, that was a quick answer. No hesitation. Yeah. I hardly ever drink coffee. I'm oh. not a coffee person at all. Tea, tea, tea. Herbal teas, normal teas, fruity teas? Um, mostly normal tea. Well, decaf, normal tea. Um, mm. But yeah, occasionally, um, yeah, fruit teas. And yeah, but just, just give me a cup of tea. I'll be happy. Me too, right? <laughs> you have a cup of tea, the day just instantly gets better. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it does. All right. Okay. I agree with you on that one. Okay. Question number two. Would you rather a lifetime supply of coloring pens or glue sticks? Oh, well. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> glue sticks, very tempting, aren't they? Because oh, you can have so much fun with a glue stick. However, <laughs> colouring pens for me, I think, because I'm not artistic, but I am creative. It took me a long time to realise the difference between those two things. <laughs> I can't draw a picture, but I have a creative mind. So if you give me some lovely colours, I can spend all day just doing doodles and little I don't know emojis and whatever um, oh brilliant yes I would just spend hours and that would keep oh, me happy <laughs> okay final question would you rather teach on a windy day or a rainy day I already know the answer of what I would say well I would rather teach on a rainy day yeah 
I'm with you on that one. There is something about windy days, Leslie. Yes. <laughs> now, my mum told me this many years ago, bless her. And um, this was when I was, you know, very young in my career of working with children. And she said, oh, there's something about when it's windy with children. She said, you you lot, I mean, there was three of us, but she said, you lot are a nightmare when it's windy. And I thought, I can't, what's that all about? But, and I don't like rain, but having worked with children, I would rather take the children out in the rain where we can have a laugh and jump in puddles and that kind of thing. Then if it's windy, there is definitely something about children. It gets children worked up. They're so hyper. Yeah, and it gets them quite argumentative and difficult. (laughs) And yeah, definitely. So rainy day it is. And also, notwithstanding the children, when you've spent so long setting up your outside classroom and then the wind comes and literally just rips it all away you're just like really really mother nature i literally spent ages whereas rain is fine everything's probably laminated or natural resources anyway it can get wet but wind it just goes out the window (laughs) i just yeah working in england is great fun right that's the end of our would you rather game thank you for joining in and just thank you so much for coming on the episode i i already know that our listeners are going to really value um everything that you've said today and i actually think you're going to inspire some people as well leslie to find those gaps in the market represent not just disabilities but diversity as a whole right let's just get some more things out there let's actually represent the world for our children as it is so everybody has a place in our nurseries and preschools and schools yeah definitely thank you so much it's been great fun no you're welcome before you go where can we find you if we want to contact you and also where can we buy your books so you can buy my books on my website which is hattieandfriends.co.uk so on there there's lots of information about the books and you can buy on there with free pmp and there's also a blog so i add to the blog to say what i've been doing recently and things like that so please have a look at the website um if you want to follow me on twitter it's at hattie's friends and i'm very active on twitter i'm there all the time so please do, do come and follow me on there um i also do uh, instagram which is at hattie and friends author um not so much on instagram struggle a bit with that but i'm working on it and it's at hattie and friends author on facebook as well amazing um it's been an absolute delight thank you so much and i really look forward to seeing hopefully some more books in the future and more projects we'll see what happens i'm sure there will be there you go have a great day leslie thank you so much for coming and you you take care Well, that's it for today's episode with Leslie talking about inclusion and diversity in children's books, including talking about her own. I hope you've really enjoyed it. It was really, really nice to talk to her. She's such a down-to-earth lady, and it's really nice to see that there are people in the education sector who you know are finding gaps and 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 filling them and it's really inspiring so I hope at least a couple of you are inspired to maybe do something similar and also if you know anybody who's done something like that who's included something that you can see missing in early years whether it's anything to do with disabilities or different types of diversity and inclusion please let me know we would love to have them on the podcast to give them a platform to share their experiences and their expertise so that we can all learn and we can all make our settings inclusive and just the best they can be for our children i hope you've enjoyed it um 
share with your friends, share with your other practitioners. And as always, if you'd like to give us a rating, give us a follow and make sure you're subscribing to not miss the next episode. Until next time, see you later. So that's it from today's episode. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you really enjoyed it. If you would like to get involved or would like to know more, come and find us on our social media sites. We have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and TikTok account. All of the details will be in the description. And whatever you're doing, I hope you have a great day today.